You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. Well, welcome back to another episode of Uncensored. (laughs) I feel like we need like a banjo intro for that. <laughs> you guys all of a sudden went to a southern accent. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Welcome to Kentucky. That's the, the bourbon drawl. You weren't supposed to let them know that. We, oh, okay. Uh, we actually have a Boston accent for the show. <laughs> we, we all just act like we're from this area. Yeah. yeah. Hi, best, y'all. How y'all doing? The best is... uh. You get a little liquid courage and Brad and his draw comes yeah. in a little more. His roots start showing. Yeah. I always thought, because I lived in Alabama, I'm from the Midwest, so I get I've uh, I got family from northern Iowa, and so I get the Minnesota, at, mm-hmm. like I hear the Minnesota, I used to live in the south, I've been, I know some east coast people like in New York, uh, I've talked with some people from Boston before, and uh, even like in California, they... It may not seem like it, but they have their own, like, hey, like, like, valley, man. It's it's true. And uh, I always thought, like, I always thought which one, if I didn't have this no accent, because I'm from Iowa, no accent, I don't think I do anyway, and uh, which one I would not want. And of all of them, I think I would rather have a southern accent than a, Oh, how you doing? Type uh, Wisconsin and Minnesota accent. Yeah. So I'm with you, Dan. Like I don't feel like I have an accent either, but it's funny. Like where we're at, if I go north of here, like a little ways, and I start talking with people, they're like, "Oh, where in the south are you from?" Mm-hmm. And then if we yeah. go south from here, I start talking to people, and they're like, "Oh, you sound like you're from the north." Yeah. It's like yeah. identity crisis. I mean, I don't going know what to I am going to school in Lexington. Uh, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of people from Ohio that go. to to uk and so hanging out with those people they always mm-hmm. thought it sounded like a redneck but then you got like 20 minutes outside of lexington mm-hmm. when we had friends from winchester and they were country mm-hmm. um or you know it sounded very southern much more southern than, mm-hmm. than yeah. louisville so i've been watching this um season eight of alone on netflix and there's this girl on there that she's i think she's from like part of Wyoming, but then she moved to either Australia or Great Britain. And it is the weirdest thing that she's putting on. It's like collaboration of accents. Yeah, it's very, very strange. It's kind of got both. And me and Dan have talked that we think that maybe she's just putting it on and Mm. that she does because she's only been from in Great Britain for like five years. Oh, and okay. so I'm like, do you really like translate your accent? That trying quickly? to fit in. Yeah. Especially as an adult. Yeah. Have you ever That's watched? Uh, we had a girl in high school who uh, was a foreign exchange student for one, like uh, a year. And she came back and she started talking with this European accent. <laughs> and we're like, this is fake. 
this is not real. You need to stop it because you're starting to annoy us. And she's, yeah. uh, and then like a couple weeks later, she didn't have it anymore. So <laughs> I don't know. Wow. I don't know though. We one last comment on this, and I guess we can move on. But <laughs> no, I have a show reference. Okay. But yeah. Well, no, I was just gonna say that. <laughs> In my in my other job, I, I work with a guy. And I don't, I don't want to give out too much information about this guy, but like he he's Eastern European, like born and raised, moved to America like in his late teens, early twenties. And if you talk to the guy, he sounded like he was born and raised in rural central Kentucky. Really? Yeah, like somehow. And when he came over here, he couldn't even hardly speak. Like he could speak some English, but not much. He's a spy. Uh, maybe I don't know, but like <laughs> I mean, it is. It's crazy. You tell people, like, oh, yeah, he's from this country. And they're like, no. Nah. It's like, yeah, he is. Um, so the show reference I was going to make, and, Dan, I don't know if you watch Letterkenny, <laughs> but the guy that plays McMurray. Bobby McMurray yep. has those YouTube videos where he switches all these accents. I'm yep. like, how? I can't even – my brain doesn't work fast enough to do that. And it's so that. funny because his yeah. character in the show just is like – sounds like Boom Hauer. Yeah. So funny. Yeah. Anyways. Well, speaking of going north in accents, I went north. Yeah, you this, did. Uh, last week for a little turkey hunting. You did. What yep. do the birds look like up north? Uh, they just look like turkeys. Uh. Yeah. How far up north? Um, like Canada? No, I was just central Ohio area, <laughs> but it is north of here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> up the north woods. Yeah. Okay, it would be funny it? if turkeys gobbled in southern accents <laughs> or gobble, east coast gobble, accents. Gobble. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all come on, sit down, spell. <laughs> uh, gobble, man. gobble. Whereas the northern turkeys are like, I don't know, gobble, Soul. gobble, get it, get out of here, go away. Yeah. <laughs> there was a, a Ted Boogie TikTok where uh, he's with Paul Campbell. That's who I was with. Okay. Turkey and, hunting. And Paul's like doing his um, slate call, I guess. And uh, Ted Boogie's like, they can't understand your northern accent. You got to hit him with the down south. And he breaks out his uh, beer can. The bush latte. Yeah. (laughs) It's really funny. Well, yeah. Speaking of the north and Paul Campbell and turkey hunting, that's I went up to uh, central Ohio area, met up with our good friend Paul Campbell um, from the O2 podcast and the How to Hunt Turkey podcast. Yeah. and we did a little turkey hunting in his neck of the woods. Um, so I, we hunted, let's see, I headed up there Tuesday. We hunted Tuesday afternoon and evening, and then we pretty much hunted all day Wednesday and then hunted Thursday. And then Thursday he had to he had to go even further north for work, and that's when I decided to come home after our morning hunt. But it was a good time. Saw turkey. Did you all hunt public land? Probably. We did a little bit of both. We did mostly private. Um, Paul's got permission this year on a section, a pretty decent section of private land and we hunted there tuesday in the evening and then we hunted there all day wednesday and then thursday we hit public land um but we kind of did a little bit of everything as far as like the different ways you can hunt turkey that was my next question yeah um paul's mentioned it on his podcast before too there's kind of the two main ways to kill turkey is with your seed or with your feet and we did both um we didn't kill any turkey though spoiler alert um y'all get any close yeah so crazy story so the first day like i said we got up there in the afternoon and it was like boots on the ground immediately like i pulled in ran in changed real quick jumped in his truck and we went like no time to be like hey welcome let's hang out a minute i know you've been driving for a while no it was just right to it which i was all for um and we got out there there was actually a hen out in the field that we were wanting to set up and when we got out there so she kind of altered where we were setting up and 
Paul kind of army crawled out there real quick and got a decoy set, and I set up where we would be sitting and sat there, and it was kind of a testament to, like, even if you're not hearing the birds, but you're just calling, like, they can hear you, and mm-hmm. eventually one's going to come check out what's going on. So we were out there for, I don't know, three and a half, four hours just – looking this field over and nothing and then out of nowhere paul i think was like looking down doing something real quick and i just go paul there's a turkey in the field he looks up and this turkey comes up over the draw and starts walking right towards us gets a little closer that's when we see it's a tom i was like all right and we had been calling for a while so this tom's just coming to check out this hen that's been making a bunch of noise um we had a Jake decoy out there with the hen decoy, mm-hmm. and we even talked about it on the way out there if we wanted to do that or not, and we're both fairly convinced that that was maybe a bad move, um, which I don't know the science behind it. I don't know if there's any fact behind it. Just in my personal experience, I've learned that it seems like the later the season goes on, the more afraid or – and I don't even know They're if They're tired afraid, of getting their ass kicked in fights. Yeah, I don't even know if afraid is the right word, um, but just the more – the later the season goes on – they're more they're gonna avoid a jake decoy whereas a hen decoy might still bring them in Mm. um so yeah i don't know if they're tired of fighting the whole time i don't know if they're just tired of being like dude like the 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 analogy i gave to paul was like you know if like that scrawny little dude comes up to you in the bar late at night and wants to fight and it's like i don't want anything to do with you dude like i'm just gonna leave yeah Yeah, so (laughs) why would it have worked like earlier in the season i think earlier in the season kind of they're still maybe working on like that lecking order of like establishing Mm -hmm. who's dominant but also i mean they're breeding at that point so it's like no i'm i'm gonna breed not you right okay because it's a jake decoy and this was a tom out in the field yeah so it kind of it got within like i don't know maybe 70 80 ish yards and it never saw us never spooked nothing like that but he just turned and went the other way and for a minute we thought he might have been hooking and looping around behind us so we kind of got ready for that if that had happened but it didn't and then that was kind of the end of that day um we were hoping to maybe roost some birds but we didn't see any go to the roost headed out and then we were right back out there early the next morning i think we got like three hours of sleep when everything was all said and done um got set up and late in the season again nothing on the limb birds weren't gobbling didn't hear anything Mm. and that day we got set up in the spot that we actually wanted to be set up in the evening before um make a long story short same thing just quiet morning didn't see anything did a lot of calling and then kind of early in the afternoon 200 ish yards away through the field i see a hen and she's slowly working her way towards us and at this point we had set up just a single hen decoy um she's getting closer she and she gets probably again probably 70 80 yards from us and she turns and she starts yelping into the woods and it's hard to explain how we're set up but we're kind of set up with the property line right to our back looking into the, the property that we can hunt. And she's walking that property line. Well, she turns and starts yelping into these woods. And then maybe 40 yards off to her left, we hear him just hammer. And we're like, oh, let's, let's get ready. So start hunkering down. This is getting serious. We start calling to the hen. She's yelping. Every time she yelps, that Tom's just hammering back at her. Paul sees the Tom before I do. I think he's just saying, like, there's a Tom in there. And I'm like, well, duh, like, I can hear it. But what he was actually trying to say is, like, he's got – he can see it. <laughs> um, but this Tom is on the other property, like, mm. kind of behind us. So I get repositioned in a way to where 
when and if that Tom crosses that property line, and it's he's gonna have to fly a fence probably because uh-huh. it's a it's a pretty substantial like, uh, I guess woven wire fence would be the best way I could describe it with a barbed wire top. It's a good quality fence. Like this turkey's probably not going through the fence anyway. It's probably not going under the fence. This turkey's gonna have to fly the fence to get to where we are, yeah. and our hope is that he's gonna see the hen, the real hen, get close to our decoy hear us calling and you know it's going to be something that he can't refuse and he's gonna he's gonna fly that fence and come over well the hen comes right into our decoy at one point she's probably four feet from me because she came into our decoy and then like cut around closer to us and walked right in front of us we're dead still statues not moving because if she sees us this whole thing's over um probably about four feet from us at one point and then she walks past us and that's when i see the tom for the first time and he is right on the other side of the fence in the woods with a bearded hen uh, and interesting. yep it was it was interesting and every boy. time this hen the the real hen is yelping into the woods he's just hammering bah, bah. and how far is he away probably? so the closest he got to us conservatively was probably 15 feet i'm thinking he's probably oh closer than goodness, that dude so but he was right never, behind you right kind of behind us and to our left like i said it's kind of hard to explain exactly how we were set up but we're right on this property line and he stayed in the woods on the other property the whole time and got to the point fence fence and a hen on one side fence and the hen and we're even not so sure that maybe he never even saw our decoy honestly Mm. with you know you got to think about how high off the ground he can actually see and he's kind of down in like just a slight dip and then you got the woods and everything right there we think he maybe just never saw it or if he did see it, he just wasn't interested but he the whole time stayed in the woods with that bearded hen never came out into the field and just walked out of our lives forever how long did that all go on? That, that whole ordeal close? probably from when we saw the hen yelping into the woods and he was gobbling up until the point that they were behind us and gone was probably a 45-minute ordeal. Mm. What time of day was that? 2.30 in the afternoon. Really? Yep. <laughs> so weird. Was he still gobbling when he was 15 feet away? No. When he got close to us, he quit gobbling, which, I mean, I've heard gobblers crack off right next to me before mm-hmm. and if that's something you've ever experienced I'm i mean it, it is their hair stands on end. it hits yeah. you in the chest like yeah. it you literally feel them gobbling and it, it the gobble sounds so much different too when they're yeah. that much closer me and paul were talking about that after the whole thing like they almost sound mechanical is the best way to describe it yeah huh. um did but you that, it happen was, to hear him spitting and drumming like he was in strut at all no, he uh-huh. never strutted. We never heard it. And uh, so, you know, Paul obviously is ate up with turkey, as we all know, and has a lot of connections and talks with a lot of biologists and stuff. And I can't remember if he was talking about an interview that he had done with Dr. Ashby or maybe with Dr. Chamberlain, but was talking about how they're kind of starting to find out that Tom's are even drumming at a frequency that we can't hear with our ears. Huh. And we were wondering if maybe that was going so on. It's almost like a light purr. I don't know what it would be, honestly. Hmm. Um, But we're almost wondering if he wasn't maybe doing something like that, which is what was getting the hen worked up. Um, Interesting. It was interesting, but let me ask let me ask you a question about the vegetation. Mm -hmm. I've never hunted. uh, I've never been turkey hunting this late in the season before. I mean, I'm used to hunting where you can see almost straight through the timber. Maybe the the there's some green buds on the on the stems and things like that was the vegetation an issue compared to maybe like an October or uh, uh, an April hunt. It, 
where we were, I don't believe so. It, it, this this property we were on is first off, it's just beautiful. I mean, when you picture like your stereotypical like kind of meadows that you just picture like your spring turkey hunting in, that's what this place is. It's a it's a cattle farm. Um, I think they do some other stuff out there. It's very well cared for. Um, and then the field that we were hunting in, they had just tilled a lot of the edge of the field up to plant beans. Mm-hmm. Um, so the grass wasn't super tall. Cause I know I run into that problem with the property I hunt here in Kentucky late in the season is it's a, it's a hay field basically. And when you start getting later into the season, that grass gets so tall that the birds don't even want to go out into it. Man, it's, it is crazy. My trail camera between the last weekend of turkey season, which was three weeks ago, mm-hmm. two weeks For ago. Us, yeah. And now, I mean, it shot up like a foot and a half. Just yeah. pow. Came out of oh nowhere. yeah, I mean I know I know some guys that are already laying down hay here. Yeah. So I mean yeah, it's getting tall. I could here. see it being very different at B- this point if B- we were still open. Oh yeah, but where we were, this property, like I said, the this field that we were overlooking is going to be planted for beans. The grass was, I mean, there was no grass on the edge of the fields at least because it was all tilled up there in the woods. Um, you were, I mean, it's typical kind of central Ohio hardwoods very similar to kind of what we're seeing here um you know maple oak trees Uh, this property has a lot of sycamore trees um good mature growth and the under growth was just not very tall um sycamores like water too is there there was a creek that ran through there and like i said i mean this this property is gorgeous i mean it's it's a place that you look at and you think to yourself like a turkey has to die here (laughs) it is just the (laughs) stereotypical just spring meadow turkey hunting property that you picture. Um, beautiful piece of property. But so, I mean, that was, I don't think it was Dan. I don't, I don't think vegetation was an issue. Um, I think it's just turkeys being turkeys, which is what me and Paul kept saying all week. It's just turkeys being turkeys. Uh, I think that's what bad hunters say. (laughs) This this guy. Nice. This guy. Nice. He's out of the truck to the roosted Tom. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was Saturday or not Saturday. I keep thinking it was like a weekend, but it wasn't. That was, I guess, Wednesday, Midweek. Thursday. Yeah. And then Thursday we hunted a section of public land that Paul's very familiar with. He's hunted out there a lot, a beautiful section of public land. That was a run and gun type situation. We were on our feet all morning walking around, was calling it a lot. Nobody was there. Um, it in a way kind of upset me and I like don't want to get on like a soapbox too long, but this, this section of property is gorgeous it's public land all kinds of great hunting out there it looks like this place has potential um deer sign everywhere paul's killed a lot of turkey out there and i can think of places here in kentucky that are not far from us that have potential to be as good as this place and i just don't feel like they're managed as well and that that can i think a lot of maybe management is part of it but then also just people trashing it Uh we have these beautiful sections of public land here that have tons of potential that are just trashed. Yep. And that's uh that's a nationwide issue, dude. People mm-hmm. have absolutely zero risk. I'm not saying everybody, but yeah, you, you know, when you can go, when you pull in to a, a public land parking spot and it, it's probably not the hunters per se who are mm-hmm. doing it, but when you, there's bags of garbage and like bed, old bed mattresses and things mm-hmm. like that. It's probably not the hunters who are doing it. It's just it's just dirt bags who have no respect for yeah you know the land, and that's 
kind of, I don't want to get on the soapbox, like I said, but I, I kept dropping, I kept name dropping a section of public land to Paul the whole time we were out there of a, an area that I've done quite a bit of hunting out here. And I'm like, this place is what could this be. place I'm talking about in Kentucky could be if yeah. it was, I hate that I said manage it, manage it in the right word, but it was just better cared for by the people that use it and are around it. And so you're not pointing the finger at DNR. No, no, I think, citizens. I, I think Kentucky Fish and Wildlife's doing a, a, a very good job out there and and i think the hunters and the people that use this property are doing a good job of trying to keep it clean it's like what dan's saying it's not the hunters and people that are using this land that are trashing it it's the but townies. yeah and yeah but yeah. but it was a great it was a great hunt um i'm excited to hear what you compare it to yeah when we get off here i will didn't uh i'll tell you didn't see or hear any birds that day though paul swore he heard a gobble we chased after it for a little while i think maybe he's just insane i think he just hears <laughs> gobbles that time all the time yeah we just hear it all day yeah um but yeah it was a good time it was a very good time and i did a little bit of fishing too one evening when i was up there that i guess it was wednesday um we got in with a few hours of daylight still so i went out and did some fishing didn't get anything but we're going fishing with those boys this week. We are going fishing with those boys. I'm looking forward this to this weekend. Yep. Going up to Lake Erie, doing a little walleye trip. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul, Andrew, our boy Glenn, mm-hmm. my buddy Drew from high school. Some other people. Dan, Braden. Yeah. You, me. Big crew. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Two boats going out. There's a walleye festival going on, so there's you know good people watching. Oh, yeah. I'm excited for that. Beer and corn dogs to go around, <laughs> so it's going to be fun. <laughs> That's not like fun. Yeah. What kind of fishing is it? Is it like crankbait or is it like trolling? So I went on this trip last year. Um, we're going with the same group of guys and stuff like that. Uh, we went later in the year and we were, I don't know, jigging is probably not the right word per se what it was, how we were doing it, but we weren't trolling. Um, and I know that that's like a big thing for walleye out on Lake Erie is a lot of people troll. Um, not just Lake Erie, really all the Great Lakes. Um, but we, we would kind of, we get into an area where they knew the walleye were there and we would throw this rig that basically it was like a bottom bouncer and then maybe a foot off the bottom of it was like, best way I could describe it is like a snell hook coming out, but it almost looked like a worm harness that you would use when you're trolling and you bait it with a night crawler and just throw it out there, let it hit bottom and then just let it swing in towards the boat and just kind of jig as you're fishing in and the walleye were hammering that way. Yeah, it's interesting. I've never fished for walleye. I've caught small walleye mm-hmm. unintentionally, um, but I've never been out on a lake like this to fish for them. So I'm kind of like I told you, I, mm-hmm. I want to call the boat captain because my nature is an angler. I want to see what I've got that I can take and just chuck and try and whatever. Yeah, that's how I like to fish. But I'm gonna try to be good and follow his instructions. It, it was hard for me last year when we went. Yeah, because like I want to do more, and I'm like, Ugh. I got some <laughs> deep running crank baits and jerk baits yeah. that I would love to get out there and throw around. But mm-hmm. I think I'll just follow the captain's lead. That's why. Is I it pretty busy it. out there? I've never been on any Great Lakes fishing before. Is there a lot of boat traffic? Uh, there will be more this time. There will be more this time because this is the festival and this is kind of peak walleye season quote unquote i don't know they really have a season for them like that's regulated i'm pretty sure you can fish them year round but like this is the time of year that everyone's after them big time um but so we went later in the summer last year and i mean there's definitely boats out there fishing but it didn't feel like you were overcrowded or anything man 
my uncle, my well, it would have been my dad's uncle, so my great uncle used to have a cabin on Oak Island in the Lake of the Woods. Mm. And so it was a really cool trip. We flew into, inter- or we, we drove in through Baudette and then got to International Falls and then took a boat plane from there to Oak Island, you know, a float plane. Mm-hmm. And then we would stay at his cabin. But the days that we went out fishing, man, there was so much boat traffic. And yeah. so everybody would, like boats would get in a line to dr- uh, float past or drag or, or troll, whatever you want to say, over these specific features. And then you'd, you'd once you got past the, the structure, you'd turn around, haul ass as fast as you can, back to get in line again and do it. And it was so packed and there was so, it was so choppy uh, I think we caught like one fish in five days kind of doing that type oh, of fishing. Oh, gosh. And it, it was just, I said to myself, dude, I'm never going to do this this again. It was so, it was, I don't know, it was disgusting because you'd get too close and people would give you dirty looks and you'd have to fight that as well. And mm, uh, yeah. so I don't know anything about the fishery. That was, you know, 15, 20 years ago when we did that, but uh that's amazing that you yeah. you used a float plane to get in somewhere remote and it's packed. <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah, I mean it was packed. I was just talking about Lake of the Woods this weekend about how much I want to go up there and fish, but that's disheartening to hear. What do you I mean, fish yeah. up there? Uh, the walleye is big up there. Yeah, and that's the northern we pike and perch. Smallies, smallies definitely. Yeah, we're going to Michigan. I think it's no, it's not Lake Michigan. I don't know. It's on the right side of Michigan. Yeah, it's not Lake of the Woods. Um, we're going is up there. Is that Traverse City? You said right side of Michigan? The right side. Yeah, Traverse is the left. Yeah, Traverse is the Traverse middle, is up here. Middle left. Uh, yeah. um, anyways, geography. Lake Michigan's over here. Yes, yeah. I'm on the other side. Yeah, you're going to be on. Huron. Huron. Yeah, that's Huron. I'm too scared to say names because I said uh, a, a name of a camp spot up there that we were going to um i said potoski and i know that that is not it because uh, apparently brad got a lot of dms about, <laughs> about how, my how dare happened. you i think it's P- Pato- potoski potoski potoske <laughs> go ahead and Get kick a, that off again <laughs> um anyways but we were talking this weekend about maybe doing some fishing and i told him you guys were going up there to do walleye and i wondered like what else there was what we could get into or like charters. pike are cool yeah yeah getting after northern pikes a lot of fun i like doing the that. ones with the teeth mm-hmm. yeah i guess they, they all have teeth a lot of them of. do stick a pair of pliers yep oh yeah if you okay. can find like good like submerged vegetation that's a really good place to fish for pike you went fishing this weekend, didn't you? Yeah. A little bit. We went pond fishing Friday. Um, we just fished with the neighbor. The kids would, like, crank out some bluegill. Mm-hmm. And when they'd get the right size, we would put them on our hooks and uh, oh, fish, fish with for us. bass. Ooh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't really have any luck with that. But we were pulling out the little bluegill, and that was fun. Um, especially the kids. Like, they just want to pull something out of the water um saw a big snapping turtle but you know what this is the time of year where it's like prom time where we fished until dark Mm, dark 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 and then on our way back home um 
we were riding back home, just like jumping property, I guess. And uh, the lightning bugs are out. Mm. Oh yeah. And you can uh, smell the honeysuckle. Mm-hmm. It is like prime. I haven't seen. We haven't seen the lightning bugs at our house yet. Oh, you haven't. No. Yeah, we just stopped in the middle of our field, and the kids got out, and they were trying to catch them, and we were just like watching. It's awesome. It. it was amazing. This weekend kicks off for us like camping until basically school starts back up. Yeah. So school gets out this week, and then it's gonna go until August, and we're like camp, 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 camp. So. Yeah, we were talking this weekend about trying to get out with our kids sometime soon while the weather's not super hot. And I was telling Liz, like, the struggle of finding camping spots and everything that's going on. So, if we're going to do it, we need to book something quick. Yeah. some. I mean, some of them you can, but some of them are a little bit harder than yeah. others. Hey, I got a question about camping. I'll, I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on this. So, my wife really wants to go to Yellowstone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and my youngest boy is five, and then I have an eight-year-old, and then I have a ten-year-old. Okay. And so that's a big thing. Like going to Yellowstone, that's a big deal. I am telling her, I think we should wait until my five-year-old maybe gets to eight or something like that. So he can really remember it and enjoy it. Uh, do you think I, uh, we should go at, at that young age to where he can get out and maybe do some more hiking and be active or, or should we wait? This is the, Okay. My husband and I are having the same conversation about Yellowstone because mm-hmm. I am dying to go to Yellowstone. Like, that is mm-hmm. the thing that I want to do. And uh, some other people told us that – because I wanted to start planning for it for next year because apparently you need to get, like, a year in advance. Like, if you're going to camp out there, the spots fill up quick, or wherever you're going, like, yep. you've got to get passes and, and whatnot. So I was like, I want to start doing this now. And my little boy is five, and then my daughter is eight. So they'd be, like, six and nine next year. And mm-hmm. everyone's like, I think you should wait, like, another year or two so that your youngest is a little bit older and will, like, really remember the trip. Yeah. yeah. What do you think, Jacob? <clears throat> my opinion is take them and then go again. Yeah, that <laughs> that's kind of what I was thinking. Like, we could yeah. always go again. I don't know. I mean – yeah, it's you run the risk of them not remembering it or whatever, but I'm at, sure at that age they're. I, I have to feel like they're gonna. So I won't get into the details, but we went to Alaska when I was very young, and even though there's a lot of that trip that I wish I could remember, mm-hmm. but I was I was young, there was still parts of that trip that even at that age I remember that to this day, and I'm like, wow, that was incredible. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, like they can go when they're adults too. Like yeah. surely they want they'll want to take their kids to Yellowstone. Yeah, it's not like you can like only it. go to Yellowstone once. It's yeah. not like you go yeah. once and then you get like a little thing and like you can't come back ever mm-hmm. again. Well, and it's not Europe where you've got to plan an extended period of time to be there, which is very because we've talked about that with our kids and that is definitely like wait till they're older because mm-hmm. there's you know yeah, the, yeah especially the itinerary, especially for. Dan, I mean, he's kind of almost, for us, he's already halfway there to Yellowstone. I do. As far as yeah. travel time. Yeah. Man, I yeah. would do it. My, I, I think my youngest is almost four. I think she's probably a little too low on that range of feeling comfortable, honestly just comfortable taking her to do that. Yeah. Uh, but my son, who is six, I would totally, if he was my youngest, yeah. I'd do it in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. 
I just don't yeah. want to run into a scenario where, all right, the the little one's tired. We were in Yellowstone for the day. We've done something. Now he's tired, and he doesn't want to go on a hike or go do something. And then I have to stay back, and then I don't get to experience Yellowstone, or my wife has to stay back, and she doesn't get to experience this one thing. And so, I don't know. Th- those are the types of things that I'm thinking about when yeah. I'm trying to make my decisions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, to help with that stuff, you could always do some training hikes just like you would if you were going to go do some long hikes yourself, yeah. you know, get the kids out, see how they do on long days in the local area before you yeah. make the long road trip out. Yeah. I wouldn't yeah. be worried about the memory part, though. Yeah. yeah. My help when he, like, starts, is he in kindergarten? Uh, he is in preschool now, but he'll be in kindergarten this fall. Yeah. Okay. Same with mine. And I'm all, I'm all, this is kind of off topic, but I'm like, okay, well he'll get that full day of school coming up. So yep. maybe that'll also yeah. train him for condition him. Yeah. Condition you're him, conditioned yeah. for Yellowstone by going to school all day. No mm-hmm. naps yeah. for you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the way our kids are when we go hiking is they, they get so wrapped up in planting creeks and stuff. We may plan to hike four miles, mm-hmm. but we get to two because we stop because they want to see so much stuff. Yeah. Right. So it's just, you know, like a route planning kind of scenario versus an all yeah. day. What's crazy is me and my wife, we wanted to go in. We were in California. So we flew into San Francisco. Then we went to Napa Valley. My wife, my wife likes this wine stuff. And then uh, <laughs> we went to Napa. And then on the last day, we headed straight to the coast and took the, uh, was that the Pacific, Pacific Crest or Coast Highway down yeah. to the Highway 1 back into San Francisco. Well, I looked at stopping at to go see the giant redwoods. There was mm-hmm. one place yeah. we were able to stop and go see, but there was um, there was so many people. They Then you had to get in line, and then now you had to buy tickets, and then the tickets went back for months and months and even years. And so some of these places, you know, there's no more being spontaneous on some of these mm-hmm. really big natural uh, uh, resource areas like the, the giant trees or even other state parks or federal parks where it's like you can't just go, hey, I'm going to go to Yosemite today. You can't do yeah. that anymore. You got You yeah. have to – plan and, and prep these trips and so um i don't know I, we busy. went to i had a buddy that moved from kentucky to san francisco and we drove out there and i just went with him for fun and keep him company and we went through yosemite and it was crowded like back yeah. then it was crowded and this was 2011 12 something mm-hmm. like that yeah and it was extremely crowded to the point where it's this doesn't feel like an, a national park should feel or exactly. whatever. Exactly. And I couldn't imagine the crowd level that has come up the last few years mm-hmm. where you can't even get in day of or there's hour long waits at the gates to get in. Yeah. Same. And then you see these pictures. Uh, um, my favorite is seeing these pictures of the beaut like the most beautiful pictures of Zion or arches, and then right next to it, it's like what you expect. And then reality, yeah. it's the same. It's the same image, just with a thousand people. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've seen those too. I was thinking about that when we were talking. Dude, uh, watching the elk rut. Mm. Yeah, with mm-hmm. a thousand people in Rocky Mountain. Yeah, really? yeah. Get outside, anyways. Speak Heck the crowds. Yeah. yeah, go do Heck it. Yeah. 
Damn. It doesn't have to be a big. It doesn't have to be like a big major trip. I mean, it can go go down to your local boat landing and throw rocks in the water. That's what. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my kids love like my my youngest or my oldest son when he was like three. Man, I'd sit him on my lap and we'd drive this gravel road down to this boat landing, and he would throw sticks and rocks in the river for hours. If you if I, you know, if my patient didn't run out first. <laughs> That's all he wanted to do, and so there's there's definitely other things to do than you know take these mom, these you know monumentous trips and things like that. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think uh, as our kids get older and they're starting to ask about phones and they got their little handheld oh, yeah. Nintendos and stuff, it's like even more important to make sure that we're taking them outside as much as we can because I don't want them to just be stuck on that thing or mm-hmm. you know. Feel like they have to be dependent on that for fun. So, get I don't want to be a, make them bored. I don't want to be a downer here. So I'm coaching. I'm a, a coach for football, and I'm coaching, helping coach a baseball team. And you can see the effect on this this upcoming generation that, like. Instagram or like uh, I guess you would say Nintendo and YouTube and a, like the sedentary lifestyle that comes with just playing video games and watch like I'm an 80s kid man I had a Nintendo we played video games but I was also outside all the time yep. doing that but you, I, you can see it like you can just see the activity level down they're not as conditioned as kids previously were like a lot of that has to do with parenting but it it is i'm telling you right now it is impacting children in a major yep. way generations to come at this point well then maybe uh, uh, yellowstone in the next 10 to 15 years won't be as crowded they just want to play video games they'll and just not go out there it's like a virtual yellowstone yeah. experience oh, that you gosh. get to uh what's that movie wally or what was yeah oh wally where they have that world where yeah. people wally. just float around and eat Cheetos and yeah and they're like bubbles pops. of <laughs> they're so I, fat and in zero gravity that they that their bones aren't developed and they just eat like sugar and fat snacks and things like yeah. that and they're all morbidly obese that 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 movie is like sending a message yeah it's, 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 it's fun it's a fun movie but it's like it if you think about it it's like oh my god yeah. <laughs> Yellowstone won't be as crowded. Public land areas won't be as crowded. Yeah, It'd be easier yeah. to draw tags in certain states. Yeah, there goes all oh the worm gosh. buckets on the creek. Yeah. <laughs> I saw a video uh, the other day, and it was uh, a younger kid, and he was just like kind of talking to the camera, and he said, "I see. I always hear older people talking about how they drink water from a hose outside," and he said. Did y'all not have sinks or what? <laughs> or like, like, I was just like banging my head on the table. Yeah. Like, no, we were just outside or like your parents wouldn't let you back in. Or yeah, like right. you just played and you were thirsty, so you turned the hose on. And, and at one point, water didn't come out of the refrigerator door either. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. No kidding. Well, on that note. We're going to shut her down. Stay uh, wild. Yeah, get your kids outside, for goodness sakes. Get your family outside. Yeah. Uh, make sure you log this show. Whoa, 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 whoa. You got a tag, dude. We just almost we can talk. Hey, like, we can talk about that a, a next week if you want. 
Well, I was trying to segue into it when I said it'd be easier to draw tags. Oh, talking about things. Being I didn't pick up what you were laying. Yeah, down. it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> well, I mean, do you want to give us a teaser then, at least, Dan? I'm interested. Okay, so I mean, shit. We might as well talk about it. I mean, let's go for yeah. it. We we uh, okay. So for the last four years, I've been going to South Dakota, mm-hmm. and South Dakota used to be a. Uh, a state where it was an automatic draw. You still applied mm-hmm. for it, but everybody got a tag. Yeah. Well, they reduced non-resident numbers, and now it's to a preference point slash uh, draw system. Yeah. Okay. So this year I applied with zero points, and I got the tag. And so um, I also applied to Kansas with one preference point, which. According to everybody I've talked to, should get me in to Kansas. I was almost hoping not to draw, uh, not to draw uh, South Dakota, get that preference point, and then yeah. be able to go back and forth between South Dakota and Kansas, start yep. a rotation like that. But I think I'm gonna, if I had to guess, I'm probably gonna draw Kansas, and I'm gonna draw. Uh, I've already drawn South Dakota, so now I got to figure out what I'm gonna do as far as. Uh, you know, as far as planning is concerned. What is, is it deer tags, I'm assuming? Yeah, archery. Yeah. Archery deer. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's – I feel like that's still manageable, though. That's, I imagine yeah. – so is that tag, I mean, does it give you the season or is it just a tag for the whole season? Yeah, well, well, it's for the archery. For So South Dakota is just for the archery season. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the archery season in South Dakota starts in – on September 1st, but Mm -hmm. I can only hunt private property Hmm. from October or from first, if I'm a non-resident from uh, September 1st to the last day of September. Then on October 1st is when non-residents are allowed to start hunting public. Uh And so that's the rule that they have. And so because I have had bad experiences uh, on private and, you know, it's just time of year. The closer that you are to November, mm-hmm. the, the just the movement, the cooler temperatures mm-hmm. and things like that. I'll probably go second or third week in October to uh, to South Dakota mm-hmm. like I have in the past. And then probably come back, try to hunt Iowa during the first week and a half of November and then hit this like hit pro- try to time it where they start heavy rutting in mm-hmm. kansas probably the second third week in in november there okay so. yeah i might have to pick your brain about south dakota i haven't applied for anything in south dakota yet but i was going to do it this year to start on it and then i've got a couple points built up in kansas i i've only been getting points in kansas i haven't actually tried to draw a tag there yet but then yeah i'm i'm hoping to check off north dakota this year but that's going to be for waterfowl hunt but yeah 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 good the, deal man sounds like you're already planning fall it's gonna be busy it's gonna be yeah trying to and then trying to you know like the one thing i've really kind of fallen in love with this year is coaching football Mm -hmm. and so i i have to make the decision because in the years past i've i've put coaching to the side and just been a spectator uh but now number one the need for coaches and and just i've started to like fall in love with coaching again i i want to i'm going to try to i'm going to try to figure out how to balance this you know balance 
football and coaching and all that stuff. So I don't know. It, it's uh, something's something's going to have to give. Hopefully, I can find maybe an assistant coach that steps out, or maybe the season will be over by the time I, I start to hunt. So we'll yeah. see. Yeah. Yep. Good deal. Yeah, we uh, our kids are at the point where we have to sign up for fall soccer if we're going to do it, and it's yeah probably going to get taken away this year. <laughs> <laughs> not not because of hunting, but yeah. that's kind of like a side benefit. Oh yeah. yeah. Which is crazy because, man, when I was a kid, uh, summer was baseball, fall was football, or or soccer, and then in the uh, spring or spring was excuse me, spring was soccer, and then basically it was just those three sports, right? Yeah. If you wanted to do something extra, you had to go somewhere else to do it. But now, I live in the in, I guess the two two most populated counties outside of Des Moines, outside of the mm-hmm. Des Moines area the two most populated counties in Eastern Iowa. And man, now if your kid is not specialized in a sport by, I'm going to say 10 years old, they're getting overlooked and or outplayed in everything. So there's no more of this, Hey, let's sprinkle in everything and have fun. It's getting serious real fast. And so at some point I'm going to have to sit my kid down and be like, Hey, what do you want to do? Unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I used to coach some middle school and high school across too, and I loved the multi-sport athletes. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of things that translate between basketball and, and field sports and that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. And so, these kids starting to specialize sucks to that degree of you know yeah. they're not getting the the multi-discipline. But I've seen that with our boys too, is that soccer kids are soccer kids already, and they're yeah. ten years old. So yeah, blows my mind. Crazy. Well, thanks for joining us, man. It's yeah. good to see you. Yeah, you too, guys. You too. Uh, make sure you log this show. Get your points. Get your rewards. We've got some cool stuff coming up. We got like a we're banking some some big stuff coming up for the rewards that'll yeah. be running for the entire year. Uh, log the show, and then if you haven't shared this app with anybody, get out there, get a referral. They get ten bucks to come in and shop. So do that. Share yeah. it. We'll see y'all next week. See you. Bye. Thank mm-hmm. you.